Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you've ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. Since 2009, our radio program hosted guest experts from around the globe sharing their perspectives, experiences, and expertise while giving you food for thought. If you can't listen live, then download and listen to any of our 300-plus podcasts in our library at TexasConflictCoach.com. So sit back, relax, or join the conversation every Tuesday evening, or tweet us at TXConflictCoach. The Texas Conflict Coach is a division of Conflict Connections, Inc., based in San Antonio, Texas. Our show focuses on empowering you to move through conflict early and constructively. We will do this by providing consumer education and conversation to help reflect, build self-awareness, practice skills, and learn about resources and tools to manage conflict effectively in your everyday lives. Now, we'll look at all types of conflict from issues in the workplace, family, elder and, care, elder and adult care conflict, disputes in schools, neighborhoods, communities, churches, you name it, we'll talk about it here. Now, we can be found at www. Dot Texas, T-E-X-A-S, conflictcoach.com. That's TexasConflictCoach.com. So today we are going to learn about the three C's of listening with Susan Sherhouse with Frameworks for Agreement. Now we do invite our listeners to call in at 347-324-3591 with questions or comments. Just indicate by pressing the number one key that you would like to join the conversation. And for our Blog Talk Radio registered users, the chat room is open, and you can post your question or comments there as well. So again, the number is 347-324-3591. So let's talk a little bit about Susan. Susan Sharehouse, she's provided facilitation, mediation, technical assistance, and training in collaborative and conflict resolution processes to organizations and individuals for over 20 years. Susan was first trained as a mediator in 1985, and she's earned her Master of Science in Conflict Resolution from George Mason University in 1988. Since that time, Susan has served as Executive Director of the National Conference on Peacemaking and Conflict Resolution, uh, Alternative Dispute Resolution Specialist for the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service, and as an adjunct faculty at Georgetown University's MBA program. She served for 10 years on the advisory board of the Institute for Conflict Analysis and Resolution at George Mason University and is on the board of the Institute for Multitrack Diplomacy. Now, as a mediator, Susan guides people in conflict to mutually acceptable agreements that resolve conflicts and problems. Her experience as a mediator includes contract disputes, workplace issues, and equal employment opportunity claims. She has been certified as a mediator and trainer for court-referred cases for the state of Virginia since 1992. Her clients include federal agencies, corporations, small businesses, and nonprofit organizations. And since 1991, she has trained more than 2,000 people in mediation skills. 
Her international experience includes conducting mediation training in the Middle East and Eastern Europe. So quite an extensive history uh, and experience, and we welcome you to the show, Susan. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's good to be here, Patty. So, you know, is there anything more that you wanted to add about your bio or experience that you want listeners to know about that I didn't uh, capture there? I think the the only thing I would add is that I usually tell people I earned a life degree in conflict um, in my work, in my family, in the community and neighborhood I lived in. And based on that life degree in conflict, I decided that there must be some other way of going about dealing with these situations. And that motivated me into the graduate program in conflict resolution what I really wanted to do with that degree was to work between people. So it's been really satisfying to be able to spend all these years helping people, working between people, helping people hear each other and move toward constructive solutions. Well, and we're going to, and listeners are going to get a little snippet of what you can share with them on your expertise. And the topic is the three C's of listening. So why do we need to listen when we're in conflict? In a disagreement, our ability to listen can dramatically change the direction from an argument to a productive discussion. I'll give you an example. While I was preparing for the broadcast tonight, I remembered this incident. Um, My office is in the basement of our home, and one summer afternoon several years ago, I went up to the kitchen to pop a bag of popcorn One of my sons burst into the kitchen full of 18-year-old energy. Mom, get your pocketbook. We have to get to the bank before it closes so you can co-sign a loan with me. I have found the coolest 1979 Camaro. My immediate response was, no, I'm not co-signing a loan for a 1979 Camaro. Forget about it. (laughs) We, We sparked from zero to 60 seconds flat. I'm sorry, we sparked from zero to 60 in seconds flat. Um, (laughs) Well, I can imagine because it doesn't sound like there was any uh, pre-conversation to that. It was just an immediate, you know, request. Yes, (laughs) and an immediate no. Mm -hmm. Um, Suddenly, we were standing in the kitchen in the middle of a heated argument that ended with something like, you just don't love me. He knew we were stuck Mm -hmm. and with a... Huffy, I'll talk to you later. He left the kitchen, banging the door on his way out. The the good news here is that this was not the end of the story. I went back down to my office and sat down back down on my computer with my popcorn, and about a half an hour later, the phone rang. It was my son again. He called me from one phone line in the house to another, <laughs> and he said, Mom, can we talk? Yeah, I was kind of tentative at that moment. but And then he said, will you agree to listen to me? By the time he called, the adrenaline had dissipated from my own brain. Yes, I'll try to listen if you'll try to listen to me. So he, so he had ground rules established here about listening. Um, he knew a lot about resolving conflicts. At, at well, that point. When yeah. you say ground rules, I'm going to interrupt you for just yeah. a second because I think this is interesting. You know, the listeners are, who are listening to this, when you establish ground rules, knowing you're going to have this conversation, what what did that sound like between the two of you? 
Well, we never put the words on it. Let's have some ground rules. Oh, but okay. that's essentially what happened. When he said, can we talk and will you agree to listen to me? That was the essentially the agreement. Yeah. Right. Okay, very good. That was... That was and sometimes it's as simple as that, mm-hmm. you know, to put you in a place to say, because before you didn't have any warning. It was just, hey, we have right. a few minutes to get to the bank so you can close. There was no, there was, there was no warning. There was just, it was boom, which initially, you know, created that. But that simple, will you listen to me, will you agree yeah. to listen to me, is a simple way of just getting that agreement to, to put you all in a mindset of talking and listening. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes a huge difference. And, and so many of the uncomfortable conversations that we find ourselves in happen in that boom kind of way not with any sort of warning okay we need to talk about this just suddenly there we are and somebody has said something that sparked the other and we're off and running um in that conversation because we had this agreement to listen to each other we launched into another very different conversation and 20 minutes later we hung up the phone with a plan in place that met his needs which was my help in getting a car and met my needs which basically were some control over where and how my money was being spent mm-hmm. um, what what we agreed to some people are, are interested in the ending of the story what we agreed mm-hmm. to was that before I would go and co-sign a loan, I, I agreed to X number of dollars, and before I would go and co-sign the loan, he would pick out a car and he would have it inspected by an independent mechanic so that there was some assurance, there was some soundness to this car. Mm-hmm. So gave me enough of what I needed about control and gave him the flexibility to get the kind of car that would meet his coolness factor mm-hmm. so he got a he got a 1989 mustang high on the coolness list and sound enough for me so mm. it just demonstrates to me that our ability to listen was what changed the direction from an argument to a productive discussion mm-hmm. and i guess that's one of the reasons why we need to listen when we're in conflict because you know, if we're if we're truly not listening to each other, it's we're just going to go round and round, and mm-hmm. the, the other person's not going to get what they necessarily need. And certainly, you know, that conversation was very uh, the first conversation was very abrupt and very very quick, and that was the, it was the end of it, right? Yep. You went about eating your popcorn, and he probably huffed and puffed until he finally realized he needed to call back and <laughs> from the other phone, which is funny. <laughs> It was certainly a surprise when I answered the phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, 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 say more about you know why we naturally go to the place when we're in conflict of not listening and going into a different place. Well, uh, research has shown that the human brain runs at about four hundred words a minute. And the average talker talks about 125 words a minute. Mm. So, I mean that that piece that piece of information has really helped me a lot to realize that it is quite natural for me and for other people 
that when somebody else starts talking, my brain gets busy with all the things I think. Um, my ears close when somebody I disagree with starts talking and mind shifts to what I'm going to say as soon as they stop um, so that they can see the light, so they can understand how foolish they've been, how how right we are in, in what we have to say, um, how wrong they are, assigning blame, finding fault, making hasty judgments of all kinds. Mm-hmm. I, I read a piece in um, Barack Obama's book, Dreams from My Father. There was this, this short little passage that really I deeply appreciated. He, um, Obama is saying to this man named Will, maybe if you listen to other people a little more, I had told him once, they'd be more responsive. Will had shaken his head. I do listen. That's the problem. Everything they say is wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we get busy um, with whose fault is it, who's right, who's wrong. And it gets in the way of any sort of um, productive conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, the thing about it is, is that so oftentimes we find, whether we ourselves are in conflict, well, let's just imagine, we're the ones in conflict, ourselves, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we're like you and me. Just like you and me. We're just like everyday people, mm-hmm. like everybody else. And so I find that when I'm in conflict, especially one in which I'm not prepared for, yeah. One that comes to me sideswiped, kind of like you, that conversation with your son, and I'm not expecting it, and and yet I find myself, you know, in that conversation wanting to either defend myself, uh, and, and that's just a natural reaction to want to defend, uh, to protect myself, and and so we go to that place, and that's a natural place that we tend to go to. But the thing about it is is that oftentimes what I'm really, really wanting is the other person to really understand where I'm coming from, to really listen, to really hear me. And what I find, and especially in the conversation we're having now, is that people tend to then either defend themselves and fight or or fly away, fight fight Mm -hmm. or flight is what we talk about. And the thing about it is is that we're doing the very – behaviors that prevent people from really listening to us. Uh, We're shouting at them. We're yelling at them. We're shutting down. We're doing all these different types of behaviors that really prevent the other person from putting in a place to really hear us. And if that's what we are, ironically, if that's what we want, but we're doing the very thing that is preventing those people to listen, that's the irony, I think, about the whole thing. That that if we, if we stand back and look at it rationally, we're doing absolutely the wrong thing to, mm-hmm. to accomplish what it is, the end that we have in mind. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the listening, we talk about the three C's, and we're gonna most of the conversation is going right. to be focused now kind of on what are these three C's of listening? Well, I, I was listening to, to someone recently talking about this listening piece and and the the first rule of listening was stop talking. I think that's a good place to start. But when I think about the three C's, 
um, I think we need to go a little further than stop talking because our brains may are still engaged with with all of the pieces that we really want to be saying when we're not talking. Mm-hmm. So the first C is calm. Okay. Um, the second C is courage, and the third C is curiosity. Courage and curiosity. Okay, so we're going to go through each one and give listeners an idea of what exactly do you mean by calm, courage, and curiosity, and what does it look like when we're doing it? Right. Or when we're seeing it. Or or maybe when we're feeling it. Mm. The first two are really internal, the calm piece and the, and the courage part. Um, we have a card in our bedroom that says, when the mind is quiet, the heart listens. And... That's really what calm is about, quieting my own mind. It starts with awareness. I I have a quote from um, Vietnamese Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm -hmm. Um, He talks about, here's the quote from him, when you notice that anger is coming up in you, you have to practice mindful breathing in order to generate the energy of mindfulness. In order to recognize your anger and embrace it tenderly so that you can bring relief into you and not to act and to say things that can destroy, that can be destructive. Mm -hmm. So that mindful breathing, I really loved his expression about recognize your anger and embrace it tenderly. Because sometimes we're, we're trying to shut it off or... Um, pretend it's not there, and the, I think the more we try and keep it in that kind of box, the um, more it sort of takes over us. So this mm-hmm. practice, really breathing into the feelings that I have and and acknowledging them and letting them go so that they don't become destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we tend to always want to fight our feelings a lot. A lot of times we do. Yeah, we we fight even wanting to even having them, especially when they're negative. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing you say is, it's you know part of that calming, quieting your own mind is recognizing I am angry, I am frustrated, I am whatever the words that come up to mind, and recognizing that. Right. Um, okay. All right. So very good. It, it starts. Really, it takes practice and attention to learn where you're first feeling that anger. Some of us feel it in our stomachs, and some, some for some of us, it's a pulsing in right up there at your temple. Um, some people face starts feeling hot, and for other people, we can't get can't get a breath. Mm-hmm. And to, that's where I start with this calm piece: is beginning to become aware of where does it first shut. Well, where do I first shut down or clamp up? Okay. Um, There's another thought that I have here in terms of this idea of calm. And if you can't get to a calm place, if you can't hear in that moment, don't pretend. Find another time or another place or another way to talk. You don't have to go into an explanation at this point. Just as clearly and calmly as possible, excuse yourself. 
I'll get back to you soon. I need to take a break. We need to talk about this right now. Doesn't work. Um, and I would imagine the person asking for that, especially if it's out of their norm, you know, to say, I need to take a few minutes and get back with you. You've got the other person who you're dealing with who might be saying, no, we need to talk about it now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Right? Right. They've got exactly. those who's got their own anxiety. <laughs> right. And so it's being be able to be assertive to establish that boundary and say, yes, this is urgent. We do need to talk about it. I just need five minutes to collect myself. What, whatever it is that they need to do to help them with that calming and, and, and part of that is that practice of recognizing, as you said, and also being able to speak up to yeah. set that boundary. Right. Um, and that's, I absolutely agree with you. That's not always an easy thing to do. You know, if you're in a relationship with somebody and that's either um, a close friend or family member or somebody that you work with on a regular basis, sometimes you can have that conversation and when you're not in one of those moments and, and get some sort of agreements. When we get to that place again, um, I think we need to take a break so that so that we've already established that kind of expectation. Okay, good. So, folks, we're talking about the three C's of listening with Susan Sharehouse, and we've introduced, uh, Susan's introduced the first C of listening, calm, and uh, we have uh, people in our chat room and also on the line, so feel free uh, if you want to uh, leave your questions or comments. If you're on the phone and would like to uh, join the conversation, just make sure to press the number one, uh, excuse me, the pound and the number one key if you have any questions or comments. Feel free to do that. So what else do we want to say about calm before you go into the second C? Well, I think I would leave calm right where it is, All take right. a deep breath and... Mm -hmm. Um, mindfully move on into courage, right. and this is this is sort of this really for me is mental preparation. I don't have any big clues and cues about how to do it, but it's a mental frame of mind. Um, it courage here is the courage to hear things that are hard to hear to admit that we may not have all the information or all the answers. That what I hear may require me to shift my own thinking. Hmm. Well, it's very difficult to do. I mean, there's the... I think that there there's something that, that's, that is, you know, to speak about the courage. One, when I think of courage... I mm -hmm. usually think of the words, you know, to, to the opposite of courage to me is fear. Right. What is it that we're afraid to hear? What is it that we're, you know, fearful of how the other person is perceiving us or perceiving how they're interacting with us, whatever the conversation it is that they're going to be having with us? And so for us to do that mental preparation, so like when you're mentally preparing for yourself, what do you do? for example, because you said it, that's hard to explain, but what is it you might do to mentally prepare? One of the things that I do after I've gone through that mindful breathing piece is to think about my assumptions and that a whole some number of 
my responses to what's being said are based on my assumptions and I've had enough experience of my assumptions being wrong <laughs> that I can speculate that my assumptions may be wrong here as well. Mm. There's an, another piece of this that um, my fear, and I'm really glad you've named that fear piece, is often um, out of proportion to the reality of the moment. Okay. That, in fact, I am still a person of worth, even if this person disagrees with me, that um, my if, if I'm fearing, I, I've worked with some people recently who've had this um, strong fear of losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. And from where I sit, having listened to them, that fear is out of proportion to the reality of the of the of the value that they bring into their workplace. Mm-hmm. And so looking realistically at what are my what is my worth and and what are my fears is a piece of gathering the courage to to admit that I may not have all the answers, all the information. Mm-hmm. That I and made. it doesn't necessarily make you less than exactly. a person. It's just that there is a really, truly a different point of view or perspective uh, that the other person has. And so mm-hmm. that courage to really listen to that, especially if the conflict is with with you, the other person. That's what we're talking about here. You know, especially when we're listening in conflict. Um, yes. I mean, it's one thing to listen to, you know, a normal conversation about a good movie or what did you do this weekend, but what we're talking about is listening in a different way when we're in conflict. That Exactly. That's the challenge. Um, and our ability to listen can dramatically change the direction uh, from this moving, sparking into an argument to becoming a productive discussion mm-hmm. and I, I have I've seen it in numerous situations my own and those of other people when I'm sitting there as mediator that when we can create a safe enough place for people to hear each other um, their their whole attitude shifts and where they come to in understanding one another and getting to solutions is can be a dramatic shift. I would imagine, you know, another technique in addition to, so, for, so far we've talked about the calm, which is that mindful breathing, the recognizing where the feeling is, and then we've talked about this courage, the mental preparation, um, you know, trying to understand what assumptions I'm making about this situation or about this person, examining what is the fear here that's really that might be getting in the way of me listening to the other person. And I think another technique, uh, in addition to that mental preparation, is that when we're truly being present with the person and we're listening to them in the moment, and we're taking the courage to do that. We're, we're not interrupting. Right. What do you think about that? Oh, right. This is this is moving into that curiosity piece. Okay. In, okay. Into okay. Now then, now that we're now that we're mentally in this space of listening, how do we become curious? Um, 
and and what what do we do in that curious space? Um, there's a quote. This is a Dale Carnegie quote. He goes way back um, that the best negotiator spends more time listening than talking, and the piece about not just about not about stop talking that I mentioned earlier is really essential if we're going to go into a conversation with curiosity and a um, a willingness and an interest in listening to what is being said. I was listening to um, a, a group that works between um, actually in Los Angeles that has put together some some uh, challenging conversations between Jews and Muslims, and they have conducted these conversations over y- years. and And they talk about curiosity above assumptions, which hooks us back into that conversation we were having earlier about courage. Um, I th- I think that we listen physically, and this one is kind of interesting to me because. Fifty-five percent of our communication is, is in emotional situations. Fifty-five percent is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Is what's what you're doing with your body and what I'm doing with my body, or what's happening on your face, what's happening on my face. Thirty-eight um, percent is tone of voice, and seven percent is the words themselves. Mm-hmm. So when we start thinking about Listening, we need to physically listen. Um, when I was in when I was in graduate school, I had this professor on Thursday night. We took two classes on Tuesday night, two classes on Thursday night. We were in class from four thirty to ten, and I'll tell you that the the man who taught the class from seven thirty to ten on Thursday night was the most boring person I've ever listened to, and. <laughs> Most of us sat in the back of the room and wrote letters home or <laughs> did various <laughs> other things. And one of my friends walked into that class and she said, you know, I'm just going to look like I'm listening. And I watched her. She she got a, cha- a chair right up at the front of the room and, and she opened up her notebook and got out a pen and she unfolded her arms and she made eye contact with him and she was nodding her head and during the break she said you know the darndest thing happened he actually had something to say and it was such a demonstration to me about the power of physically attending to somebody who's talking that we don't want to listen to now that said there are some other situations um, where if it's a difficult conversation, it can be easier to do if we are engaged in some non-mental activity together, taking a walk, um, folding the clothes, riding in a car, and it kind of pulls the intensity of that face-to-face kind of moment off, mm-hmm. and there there are times and situations where that physical listening can be more effective. This would not not be playing a game on the computer or 
reading my email or checking the text that came in on my BlackBerry, not that kind of activity, mm-hmm. putting that aside um, for that physical listening. Um, we classically talk about paraphrasing, that that at appropriate places along the way, let me restate in my own words what I think I've heard you say and then ask you to see if I've heard it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that with my students in, in a lot of the classes that I teach. Mm-hmm. And I have give the students an assignment, pair off and talk with your partner about something that you two disagree about. Um, as you were saying, it's a lot easier if you're talking about what fun thing you did on your vacation. But if it's something we disagree about, it puts a, a whole new context, context to the conversation. Well, we really do communicate differently when we are in conflict. I wanted to follow up with a couple of things that you said and as far as the physically listening and curiosity. So for folks who really, you know, we, we sometimes take it for granted that we all really know how to listen well. And we could say, hey, are you a good listener? Like, oh, I'm a good listener. I'm a good, you know, and people will tell you they're a good listener, but when it really comes down to evaluating it, are they really? So when we talk about physically listening and the body language, what might that look like? If we were saying a good listener, they're, they're doing X, Y, and Z with their body language, what would we be seeing if we were watching a video but no sound? My first reaction to your question is, what would we not be seeing? Oh, okay. <laughs> we wouldn't be seeing eye rolling. Okay. Good. Uh, yes, right. Miss Manners once said that the only uh, the only time it was polite to roll your eyes was immediately before fainting. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, That's good. <laughs> So we, we're not seeing rolling eyes, right? We're we're seeing. Um, I don't. I think we want to make appropriate eye contact. It, there is eye contact that becomes staring and really can make a person uncomfortable. But we are connecting with our eyes in ways that are not making a person uncomfortable. Um, sometimes we might be nodding our head and and giving an uh huh to. I'm really taking it in and trying to process what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We may be leaning forward, um, arms not crossed, and we're not pulled back or folded in on ourselves in that mm-hmm. physical listening. Does that kind of speak yeah, to what you're thinking? Exactly, because you know when we're when you know listeners can't see us, so you know what is it that we're asking them to be aware of, even in mm-hmm. their own. Sometimes we're we're certainly aware of what others are doing, but a lot of times we're not paying attention to our oh, own boy. body language. Right, and that's one of those other pieces of self awareness that becomes a real challenge to find out what do I look like, <laughs> how am well, I coming across. Yeah, I was uh, recently coaching someone, uh, conflict coaching someone, who who wasn't aware of what her body language was uh, when she was in these difficult conversations. And what she would do is she would literally turn her body to the side, away from the person with her arms crossed. Her head would be down, giving very little eye contact. 
and uh, and as her supervisor was talking to her, asking her, does she understand or does she, you know, get what what the problem is? She was like, yeah, I, I have no problem. Mm-hmm. And then she, but her whole body was totally shut down. So even though she was saying the words, I understand, no problem, I get it, you know, trying to agree, what she was really doing was shutting down because she had disagreed so much she didn't know how to have a productive conversation wow. with her. And so that's how she would do that. And then there's assumptions that the supervisor would make right. of that individual. What the now, supervisor heard from that was a totally different answer than what her words were. Absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, then that just, you know, creates even more problems. You know, you don't care. Uh, you're not really serious. You don't really care about the job. You're not, you know, you know she questioned her integrity, her you know, she questioned everything about her because of how she was showing up in her own body language. Uh, and so we did some coaching around that. Now, the other thing uh, to get clarity on right. is uh, the curiosity, the last part yeah. of it. So, you know, when we, when I think about preparing for a conversation that I know might be difficult, what I hear from you when you say to be curious, it's, it's being open-minded to ask questions for a time. Right, yeah. The, the, that was the the last point that I wanted to make in this curiosity piece was yeah, using open-ended, non-confrontational questions. Um, and, that, and this is where our tone of voice makes a huge difference. Um, this is, could you say more? Can you... Can you help me understand how is this important to you? How does this affect you? When I when I made that um, gave those statistics a few minutes ago and said that 38% is your tone of voice, your tone of voice that encourages someone to actually answer the question rather than feel like they're being grilled. You know, well, why did you do that? Um, certainly comes across differently than can you tell me, you know, how you thought that might work. So those open-ended, non-confrontational questions um, allow them to talk about their point of view and what's important to them and why. In, In the final piece, I would say that whatever they tell you, even if it's not what you wanted to hear, say thank you. Thank you for telling me. At least now you know more about what's going on, even if you didn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And give yourself some space to to listen and to think before answering, before reacting. Um, we're not talking about agreeing with them. Mm-hmm. When you're at this point of this conversation, your only job is to listen. This is not the end point of finding solutions together. There's a whole nother section on, you know, how do you express yourself so that they can hear what you're saying. But this is the starting place of changing the direction from an argument to a productive discussion. Right. So we don't want listeners thinking that, you know, they're not going to be able to have their say. We're just talking. We're kind of like under a microscope looking at this listening element uh, when we're in difficult conversations and in conflict and using those very specific three C's of calm, courage, and curiosity to be able to validate 
to be able to acknowledge what we've heard from the other person so that they can do the same for us when it's right. hard for them to express ourselves, right? Right. A lot of times they can't hear what what we have to say until they feel like they have been heard. Now, in a moment, we're going to transition to, because you talked about uh, this other section, and I, I assume this refers to your book. Right. Is there anything more you wanted to say about the three C's before we transition to your book? I could I could talk about these three C's for a long time, but for I, a think long we've pretty, I think yeah, we've we have well about covered. five <laughs> minutes left. But um, tell us about your book, because you are writing a book around this. I am writing a book about... Conflict and communication, it's a very um, uh, upfront, personal, um, how do we think about the conflicts that we get into and some tools and techniques for how do we move through them more productively based on understanding better what's going on with us inside each of us as humans and what sorts of things go on in in others that we're working with or are dealing with. Um, I, I have to have a target audience for the book, and the target audience is, is managers and supervisors inside organizations. That said, the um, content of the book really addresses um, the human reality of dealing with disagreements and disputes and arguments and conflicts and uncomfortable conversations, whatever that relationship is. So it's in process. Um, I am. I have a blog that I write in once a week or once every five or seven days that I welcome people to check out, to read, to comment, and give me feedback. Oh, great. What is that blog address? It's um, www.frameworksforagreement.com. Dot com. Okay. The blog's right there on the home page of, of my website. Excellent. And uh, folks uh, who are listening in right now, there is an active link for Frameworks for Agreement right there on the show page of the Texas Conflict Coach. So if you want to click on that right now, uh, that will take you directly to her blog. We'll also have that in the show notes. So it's Frameworks, F-R-A-M-E-W-O-R-K-S. F-O-R and then agreement, A-G-R-E-E-M-E-N-T dot com. Well, that's wonderful. I can't wait to, to uh, see your book uh, published um, in uh, hopefully, what, maybe in 2010, you think? Um, hopefully. Well, the, the, whole, the whole editing and publishing process takes, takes longer long than I thought it would, would take. But uh, Well, we're there to support eager to get it out there. We're there to support you, and I'm so excited that you're taking on this big challenge of writing a book. That is such a challenge to, to put that out, but it's so invaluable uh, what you have to offer and your experience uh, oh, to listen. Oh, Patty. So now, is there, are there other ways that folks can reach you other than the Frameworks for Agreement, or is that pretty much the best way? That is the best way. There are links there. Um, my phone number is there. My email address is there. Um, I think that would be the best way easiest way to give people contact information for me so great well now um i wanted to say to listeners you know oftentimes we will have field work assignments and that's a way to challenge you and give you opportunities to stretch yourself and so the field work assignment again is about supporting your self-awareness and managing these difficult conversations when you're in conflict 
take one of the three C's, calm, courage, or curiosity, and the challenge is, is to begin really practicing. Uh, for you, it might be you're in an angry moment, uh, you're upset about something, maybe you're not going to have a conversation, and so it's about quieting your mind, doing that mindful breathing, and really feeling and recognizing where's that anger emanating, that strong emotion emanating from your body. That might be one fieldwork assignment. Or you could possibly take courage. What is that mental preparation? You know that you want to have a conversation with someone that you've been wanting to have for a long time, but you've just been avoiding it, putting it off. And so what is the fear about? Be looking at, really thinking of, what is it you're, you're, you're concerned about? What is it you're fearful about in that conversation? What are the things that you are afraid that you might be hearing that you're not ready to hear? Uh, and so being aware, writing that down possibly, even thinking about what are some of the assumptions I'm making about this person? What are the assumptions I'm making about their motive, their intent? So another way of looking at courage, maybe that's where you could start. Or the third C of curiosity. Maybe what you could be doing is writing down some of these non-confrontational, open-ended questions. You know, what's important to you about this? Um, help me to understand why you're perceiving me that way. Write and, and, and then practice them out loud. How is your tone? Is your tone, conversa is your tone confrontational? Is your tone blaming? Uh, and so you can write these open-ended questions down and say, okay, would this get to some of the information you're needing? Uh, and also allow that person to hear. So those are just some examples of some of the field work assignment that you can do to really start practicing. And it does. It takes practice. Uh, or be even uh, looking and watching your own body language. What is it you notice about yourself when you get upset? You know, wh where does that body language uh, come out that can be something that shuts the other person down or shuts you down? So a number of things that you can do, um, and you can even comment on uh, Susan's blog and say, you know, I've been trying this, I've been practicing this, or, you know, I heard something that I really want more clarity on. You know, go to Susan's blog, frameworksforagreement.com, and send out, put that question out to Susan, or write oh, a comment. That would be or said, great. Would that be, that that work for you? Um, because Susan, I mean, you would be able to then give some comment or feedback yep. to what it is that they're practicing. And, and this is an ongoing task of all of us humans, that we are always facing new challenges and new ways of learning how to, how to better deal with the differences between us. Absolutely. So I would but welcome that. Well, uh, uh, that's awesome. I, I'm so, and that's what the bogs are for. You know, those are just mm -hmm. it's another way of supporting people and hearing how you know what they're struggling with or what it is that they're doing well as they're practicing that. Susan, any other last comments that you uh, closing comments you would like to make at this time? My closing comment is thank you for this opportunity to have a conversation with you, Patty. It has been really. Um, interesting and fun for me. I hope others have found it useful as well. Well, definitely. And, you know, the shows are recorded and are, they're archived, so people will continue to be able to listen and access the show. Thank you so much. I really have been blessed with some awesome colleagues and friends and professionals in the field who are just so good at what they do, and I'm so glad that you were able to give this gift to our listeners and uh, helping them uh, as they're going through the conflict 
uh, or difficult conversations. So, all right. So we are closing our show. The Texas Conflict Coach airs every two weeks, starting at 6:30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And our next two shows in November will be about family conflict, preparing for the holidays, because we've got that coming up, don't we? And so we'll have therapist Donna Tuitz from Harmonious Mind joining us to talk about how do we prepare for those holiday gatherings uh, where we want, you know, scratching our eyes out and, you know, (laughs) pulling hair and getting into uh, with uh, Uncle Grouch, you know, because we're like, oh, there he goes again, you know. So what do we do to prepare for the holidays so that they're uh, pleasant and we can deal with some difficult uh, situations that might be coming up. As we close, I want to thank you for joining us and supporting the show. I welcome your questions, comments, or feedback on the BTR show page or email me at pmporter, that's P-O-R-T-E-R, at conflictconnections.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, which is Texas Conflict Coach, that's T-X, Conflict Coach. I encourage our listeners to mark this show as your favorite by first registering as a listener to BTR. And then Blog Talk Radio will send you an automatic update to your email box reminding you of the next radio show time. You can also download the Texas Conflict Coach from iTunes. We would love for you to become a fan of the Texas Conflict Coach on Facebook and join our discussions as we explore different perspectives and how we handle conflict situations. We encourage you to post your questions and experiences. So this is your host, Patty Porter, the Texas Conflict Coach, empowering you to move. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you've enjoyed the program. You can find over 300 podcasts archived to listen at your own convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. To learn about upcoming radio programs and resources, sign up for our monthly e-newsletter.